Welcome to the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. We're so glad to have you join us today. Pastor Caleb is a graduate of the World Harvest Bible College, as well as Ohio Christian University. And his desire is to share the love of God with a lost and dying world. Prepare to be challenged and encouraged today through the study of God's Word. Now let's listen in to today's episode with our host, Caleb Schaefer. Hello, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the podcast. I'm excited about today's episode. Last week, the episode on Monday was on the Feast of Trumpets. And then we did a special Friday report on the Abraham Accords that were signed on Tuesday. This is incredible uh, time to be alive because we're seeing the things that the Bible prophesies, the Bible talks about coming to fruition uh, in the Middle East and all around the world. And so Jesus told us that we wouldn't know the day or the hour of his return, but that we would know the time we could recognize the season if we understand his word and understand when Jesus is coming back. And so um, it's, it's, it's exciting to me that we're here in this time frame, we're here in this time period, because God is showing us that Jesus' return is so near. It is so near to us. And so I'm excited. I'm thanking you for tuning in today. Please share this with all your friends, all your family. Let them know that Jesus is returning soon. Today, I want to dig into the Day of Atonement, which is the second of the three fall feasts. Uh, we're in the fall feast season, and the uh, the Bible talks about these feast seasons. God called these the Moedim the feasts, the festivals, and now they weren't necessarily always just about eating. It wasn't uh, what we would consider a feast today, but a feast in God's, uh, God's calendar, what he called a feast, was an appointed time and an appointed season, and we are certainly in these appointed times and seasons. Genesis 1.14, God said, set lights in the heavens to tell us what season we're in. He said he would put those lights up there to let us know that we could set our watch by it, basically, what season we're in, what time frame we're in. And in Leviticus 23.2, God said, these are my feasts. So they're not specifically Jewish feasts. They're not Hebrew feasts. They are God's feasts. And so we can understand that even though we're not Jewish and believe in the Orthodox Jewish ways, we can understand that God has feast seasons. God has set times and appointed seasons on his calendar where he wants to do special things in our lives. And so this season that we're in right now, the fall feast contains three feasts and they contains, uh, first of all, trumpets, Rosh Hashanah. It contains the day of atonement and that is Yom Kippur. And then there's also the feast of tabernacles and that is Sukkot. Uh, Sukkot. So, um, in this time that we're living in, we're in this season of the year, and uh, the the sages, the Jewish sages, actually tell us that when the Gentiles finally get a hold of the feast seasons, when the Gentiles finally begin to understand the feast seasons, then Messiah will come. Their Messiah that they're looking for is not Jesus. They're looking for a false Messiah. We're, we're waiting on Jesus to come back. We're looking for Jesus. And so those two events are going to take place almost simultaneously, Jesus coming for his true church and the false Messiah coming onto the scene. 
the Antichrist. So we've got all sorts of things taking place in the world that point in this direction right now. Um, but the feast that we're going to look at today is the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement. It was one day a year, and it was the most holy day of the year. The most holy day of the year. And uh, so I want to talk about that today, but first I need to backtrack a little bit because um, uh, the days between Rosh Hashanah and the Day of Atonement are called the Days of Awe. These Days of Awe, uh, they began on Rosh Hashanah, and in Ra on Rosh Hashanah, the trumpet is blown a hundred times on the same day. As soon as they see the new moon appear in the sky over Israel, and it's a catalyst for the Days of Awe. Now, someone uh, who, a great friend, asked me this week, they said, these days are confusing on our calendar. Um, and, and they said, how do we know about the, the Jewish calendar? What days things fall on? Well, that's a great question. And I want to address that because I don't think I've addressed it to this point. But the uh, Jewish calendar begins on the evening before the actual day on our calendar. And it starts at sunset on the day before. So, Rosh Hashanah, on the day of Rosh Hashanah, it would actually begin the evening before the actual full day. So, we look at the day as, uh, take for instance, atonement is coming up. We look at the day as September uh, 28th, and it actually starts on the evening before, because the Jewish day begins at sundown on the day before. They go by a lunar calendar, and we go by a solar calendar. We wait for the sun to come up for our day to basically start, but they start their day on the evening before. So um, it's actually, uh, if you're looking at, it's about 12 noon our time, if you're looking uh, at your clock, and it will be the evening time over there. So that's a good kind of reference uh, for the the day starting, the next day starting in Jerusalem. So, um, the day of atonement is coming up and, um, the days of all are just an incredible time because according to tradition, God withdraws himself during the days of all. So we have the, the feast of trumpets, then a space of 10 days of all followed by the day of atonement. The days of all are historically, traditionally, when God withdraws himself. Now, we know that God is always with us. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. But God would withdraw himself from his people to see if his people would chase him, to see if his people would seek him, to see if his people would fast and pray and mourn. And the days of awe are kind of a, a time of consecration to set ourselves aside before we get to the Day of Atonement. It was required that everyone... Uh, kind of stop what they were doing at that point in time and consecrate themselves, not participate in sin, not participate even in worldly pleasures. They had to fast, they had to pray, and they had to seek God. And um, so we're headed toward Yom Kippur. And um, this time of the year, historically, also is a time when the devil starts to work overtime. And I don't know if you've experienced it in your own life, but I've experienced it in my life. And this time of the year, if you're being attacked extra heavy, 
Just know that the enemy knows what time of the year it is. He knows that it is a time on God's calendar where God said he wants to be near to his people. He wants his people to draw near to him. He wants to do special things in the lives of his people. And so uh, the enemy fights extra, extra hard. Most wars start during this time of the year, the fall feast season and about the month leading up to it. Um, Major crimes spike during this time of the year because the enemy knows that either Jesus is coming back or you're going to get blessed. Look at the past events on the calendar, the great wars and things that started and took place. September 11th, 2001, the greatest terrorist attack on the United States soil start, It would took place right before the Feast of Tabernacles in the fall. The Afghanistan War began October 7th, 2001. That was right around the time of Tabernacles. Uh, World War II began September 1st, 1939. The Vietnam War, September 26th, 1959. Crime rates go through the roof in the months leading up to Tabernacles, starting about June, July, and then through August and September. But in October, they tend to taper off. And September, historically, is one of the deadliest months uh, in major cities because the devil is running wild trying to get people to uh, commit crime, to commit sin, because the devil knows that God is about to move and God is about to do something. Uh, look at the wildfires that are taking place right now. There are, I think, five named storms in the Atlantic Ocean right now. Storms hitting the United States, uh, earthquakes on astronomical levels. We had an earthquake in New Jersey last week. We've had over 100 earthquakes in Yellowstone National Park recently. Um, geysers and volcanoes are waking up that have been laying dormant for years. So there are all sorts of things taking place all over the world. The earth is groaning for the return of Jesus. The earth is groaning and um, the devil is trying to get one last punch in, basically. The devil's trying to get one last punch in to the people of God and to the world before Jesus comes back. Now, we know that Jesus could come back at any point in time, any day he, the, that God chooses. It doesn't have to be a certain uh, season or time frame on the calendar. But we often believe that Jesus could come back at the Feast of Trumpets because of the way that everything lines up. And if you want to know more about that, you can go back to last week's podcast on the Feast of Trumpets um, and check that out. Uh, I also discussed a tiny bit about the Feast of Trumpets on the special report broadcast, and you can go back that and check that out as well. But for the sake of time today, I'm going to keep moving on this one. Um, Leviticus talks about the Day of Atonement. Leviticus talks about the Day of Atonement. And uh, specifically in Leviticus 23 and Leviticus 16. And uh, I'm going to pull up Leviticus 23 right here and, um, and read it to you, starting at verse 26. Um, I believe it's important to know about these feasts because what we know from the Bible, um, there is just so much information that we lose in modern culture uh, because we don't have our, we don't have the Jewish roots. We don't have the context in which the Bible was actually written. Um, a lot of the time, we look back and uh, 
we read over things in the Bible and it's all fine and good and we just keep going. But because we don't have the traditions and because we don't have the understandings uh, about the what the Jewish people believed at the time and what they experienced at the time, we lose a lot in our translations, in our modern translations. And so um, it's important to go back and to understand the culture and to, to dig into the culture. If we read everything from a westernized American viewpoint and a westernized American uh, attitude, understanding our culture, we're not going to be fully understanding what God was saying in the Bible and what God was trying to communicate to his people. I heard a pastor say, the Bible is a Jewish book written by Jews to other Jews. And so we've got to understand that everybody who wrote the Bible, everybody who had a hand in communicating God's word in the Bible, the, the inspired word of God, God spoke it to the, to the men and they wrote it down and they were all Jewish. So they all had knowledge of their culture. They all had knowledge of the traditions and the background. They all had knowledge of it. And we've got to get some knowledge in order to understand fully what God was trying to communicate to his people. So Leviticus 23 and 26, we'll start there. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of the seventh month there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be an holy convocation unto you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And you shall do no work. You should do, do no work in it that same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it shall be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among, among his people. And whatsoever soul it be that doeth any work in that same day, the same soul will I destroy from among his people. Ye shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and ye shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at even from even unto even. So evening to evening, he was establishing that uh, that it started at the evening. Shall ye celebrate your Sabbath? And so God was telling his people, listen, this is a time for you to afflict your soul. This is a time for you to be sad about your sin. This is a time for you to, to cry out for mercy for your sin. This is a time for you to stop what you're doing. Treat it as a Sabbath. He said, don't do any work and uh, and afflict your soul. Afflict your soul. Make an offering, an atonement offering unto God. Now, we know that Jesus Christ has become our atonement. So we don't have to participate in the uh, in the sin offering. We don't have to participate in uh, a lot of these things. We can we can go forward and we can do what we need to do on these days. Jesus came to fulfill the law. So we are we are able to continue on. We're living under a new covenant. We're able to. Uh, continue to work, continue to do whatever we need to do while observing these days in our heart. So that's important to note that we don't have to uh, fulfill any sort of com commanded offering for sin. That's already been taken care of by Jesus. That's already been taken care of by Jesus. We don't have to 
fulfill any sort of commandment to uh, to treat it as a Sabbath or anything like that. But we do need to take a, an introspection and look at ourselves and say, God, is there anything in my life that is not like you? Is there anything in my life that I need to clean up? Is there anything in my life that I have taken your place? And every day is a good day to do that. But this time of the year when the Day of Atonement took place was a time that they had to atone for the sins of all of Israel. I want to go into the traditions just a little bit. Um, the priest was allowed to go into the presence of God one day a year on the Day of Atonement. Nobody else was allowed to go into the presence of God ever at all. One priest, the high priest, was allowed to go into the presence of God one time a year, one day a year. He had to go in. He had to make atonement for the people of Israel by sprinkling blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And he had to come back out. He wasn't allowed to do anything else while he was in there. He wasn't allowed to uh, take his time and do it. It had to be in and back out. He was only allowed to go in there for a brief period of time. The holiest day of the year, one person out of everybody alive got to go into the presence of God. He sprinkled the mercy seat seven times with blood. And as he sprinkled that blood, God said, my presence will hover over the Ark of the Covenant, over the mercy seat. So the only way that the priest could get from the outer court to the inner court and through the veil into the Holy of Holies was that he had to have the blood. The only way he could get into the presence of God was he had to have blood to sprinkle on the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. He couldn't leave the blood outside and walk in. He had to take the blood inside with him. And can I tell you today, the only way that we can get into the presence of God is if we have the blood of Jesus covering us. The Bible lets us know that when Jesus died, Jesus became our high priest. Jesus went into the Holy of Holies in heaven. Jesus went into the Holy of Holies in heaven and sprinkled his own blood on the Ark of the Covenant. And in doing that, he became our high priest and it, the sacrifice was made once and for all. We don't have to have another sacrifice. We don't have to uh, bring bulls and goats and turtle doves to church anymore. We don't have to do any of that stuff because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. In essence, all the sacrifices in the Old Testament leading up to the New Testament where Jesus was was crucified and sacrificed for us, all those were an interim sacrifice. They did not have a lasting effect. They were just basically a substitute to tide everything over until Jesus could come. In fact, they had to make atonement every single year for the sins of Israel because from year to year, the blood stopped working on the Ark of the Covenant because it was an imperfect blood. As much as they inspected those uh, those bulls and goats, as much as they inspected all of the things that they sacrificed at the temple and at the tabernacle in the wilderness, as much as they inspected them, they could not find the perfect sacrifice because Jesus is the only person that could do that. Jesus is the only perfect sacrifice. Not only did the priest have to have blood when he went in, he had to have incense. He had to have prayer going forth to get into the presence of God. And for 1,500 years, God put himself behind a veil because the holy God could not be in the presence of a sinful people, and a sinful people could not be in the presence of a holy God. He separated himself 
from his people. And one time a year, the priest was allowed to go into the presence of God. He would go in with fear. He would go in with trepidation. And he would atone for the sins of himself and his people. He was to go in and to come back out. He had to wash 15 times that day. He had to wear proper garments. He had to uh, slaughter the animals in just a certain way. And he had to go into God's presence with reverence. With reverence. You think about uh, the task that it must have been to try to make yourself ready to go into the presence of God, knowing that you were the only person that year who was going to get to go into the presence of God, and you had one job, and to, it was to atone for all the sins of everybody in Israel. What a daunting task. What a, a, You had to be meticulous. You had to know every detail of what you were supposed to do to prepare, because God would not accept anything less. Now, Jesus became our sacrifice for us and our high priest, and we don't have to worry about those things anymore. But what we do have to worry about is is causing our heart to be made right with him. We have to rend our heart. We have to prepare our hearts to be ready to meet him at all times. And uh, Jesus is our blood sacrifice, and I'm so thankful today. And uh, in Jerusalem, somewhere around 33 AD, during Passover, there was a, a stir going on in the city. And under the cover of darkness, which was totally illegal at the time, you could not have a trial at night in Bible times. It was totally illegal. They had a Galilean arrested and sentenced to death, and he had been bludgeoned beyond recognition. His own blood matted hair to the side of his head. And as they took him up that rocky hillside of Golgotha, they nailed his hands and his feet to those wooden beams and hung him between the earth and the sky. And at that point in time, he bridged the gap between God and man. The blood that flowed from his veins on that day, Jesus' veins, became the atoning blood for all mankind, for anyone who would accept it. No longer do we need a priest to go into the holy of holies, and sprinkle the blood of bulls and goats on the mercy seat, because the blood of the spotless lamb has made atonement for us. We have a perfect atonement, my friends. We have a perfect atonement in Jesus Christ. And atonement, if you break the word down, you can separate it out into at-one-ment, if you look at the word. A-T space O-N-E space M-E-N-T. At one because his blood makes us at one with him. His blood makes us at one with God. We can come into agreement. We can come into the presence of God, and he brings us back into right relationship with God after we repent and after we take inventory of our lives. The atonement steps in. The blood of Jesus steps in and says, all is covered. All is well. Your sins are forgiven. But not only does your sin get forgiven, atonement goes one step further because it doesn't mean that your sins are just covered up. It means reconciliation. Your sins are cast away from you. They are completely gone. And if you've ever committed a sin, your sins are blotted out. Your sins are completely destroyed as if you've never committed any sin. When the blood touches your life, atonement, reconciliation, 
We're returned to right standing with God. We become one again with the Father. Not only did Jesus become our Passover lamb, not only did he become our atonement sacrifice and did it all in one day, but he became our mediator and our advocate. Jesus became our intercessor. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 uh, says that when Jesus died, he became our high priest. He took that title back from, from man. And in the Bible, he said in Hebrews 9, 12, he carried a bowl of his own blood into the holy place and made atonement for your sins and for mine. When Jesus died, there were seven places that he shed blood, and I'm not going to go into all of them, but but each one of them had a meaning and something he purchased back for you. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweat blood, and at the whipping post, they tore open his back with whips and spikes. He was bruised, which is internal bleeding, under the skin. The crown of thorns tore open his, his brow. His hands were pierced. His feet were pierced, and finally they drove a sword, a spear, into his side. And God said to Moses, Send the priest into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle blood onto the mercy seat. And when he does, he is to sprinkle it, listen to this, seven times. When God spoke to Moses about the priest going in to the Holy of Holies to sprinkle the blood, he was to sprinkle it seven times. And Jesus shed his blood seven different places for us. And they were to make atonement. That was those seven sprinkles. They were to make atonement for the sins of the people. And when Jesus died, the Bible tells us that the veil that separated a holy God from sinful man and sinful man from a holy God was torn from top to bottom. This veil was 60 feet tall and over four inches thick. It was huge. It it weighed so much and, and it would have taken a massive power to rip that veil. But the Bible lets us know that when Jesus was crucified, when Jesus said, it is finished, we went from God being separate from us and us having to wait for one singular holy day every year for one man to go into the presence of God for everyone. That veil was rent. That veil was torn from top to bottom. And it was completely ripped open. And the presence of God became accessible to man. The presence of God became accessible to you and to me. And I just picture the presence of God just like a flood, just like a giant river flowing out from behind that veil and out through the temple courtyard and and lapping down the streets of Jerusalem, sloshing against corners of houses and, and flowing around corners, splashing through doorways and windows until the very presence of God himself filled every far reach of this fallen planet. And God said, during this time of the year, this atonement time of the year, he wanted to meet with his people in a special way. He was tired of living at the property behind the veil, and he wanted to meet with his people wherever they're at, wherever they are. He wants to be in our houses. He wants to be in our schools. He wants to be in our cars and in our hospitals. He wants to be in the African desert. He wants to be in South American rainforest. He wants to be in the snowy Alps. He wants to be in us. And so his presence became accessible to everyone who would accept it when our atonement was made. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you. God was, 
and is no longer kept from us behind a veil and separated from us. He's with us, but not only is he with us, he's now able to live down on the inside of us. The temple of God is no longer made of gold and brick. It is now made of flesh and blood. It is made from the dust of the earth that he created us from, and when he breathed his life into our nostrils. Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The presence of God. The presence of God is accessible to every one of us today because of the atonement that was made by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross, when the veil was torn in the temple, the presence of God came outside of the four walls of the Holy of Holies and became available to you and to me. And that is one of the most beautiful things, one of the most beautiful things about atonement, about atonement. So the Day of Atonement is a special, special day. And, uh, we're coming up on the Day of Atonement this week, and it's important to note that the Day of Atonement, also according to Jewish tradition, is going to be Judgment Day. It's going to be the day when God shuts the books in heaven, according to uh, the Bible, and, and we have got to be ready. When he shuts the books, he passes judgment. But, here we are in this time, when we're still alive, the rapture hasn't taken place, and this is a time of the year where, according to Jewish tradition, God makes a judgment for the next year. He determines whether he can bless you for the next year, or whether he has to withhold blessing from you for the next year. And I don't know about you, but I want this year to be blessed. I want this coming year to be blessed. Now, the, the new year on God's calendar started at this point of the year, at the Feast of Tabernacles. The new year on God's calendar doesn't start on January 1st, but it starts this time of the year. And so, on the Day of Atonement, they believed that God looked over their lives for the past year and saw whether he could bless them or whether he had to withhold blessing. And I don't know about you, but I want to live, live a blessed year this coming year. I don't want this year that's coming to be like the last year where all sorts of crazy things have happened, but I want to live a blessed year. And you can live a blessed year no matter what, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter if there's a viral pandemic spanning the globe, no matter if there's an economic recession, no matter if everybody says that you can't be living a blessed year, God can bless you in ways that you never could have imagined with health, with finances, with relationships. God can bless you anytime he so chooses. And uh, the tradition was that God took a view of your life from the days of trumpets through the days of awe, and then on the day of atonement, he made a judgment for your life for the next year, what to bless you with, how to bless you. And I believe that we can do different things through the year as we're obedient to be blessed. I believe that we can do all sorts of things, but it's kind of an interesting thought to think that God looks over your last year and determines whether he can bless you, whether what he can pour out into your life, what he can pour out into your life, how he can work in your life. 
And these 10 days of awe are so important that we return to God, that we get our focus on Him as we approach the Day of Atonement. We don't celebrate these days with sacrifices, but we can celebrate them by returning to God, by getting our focus on Him, and by focusing on the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so today, I want us to do a little bit of an introspection into our lives as you're listening to the end of this podcast. Do a little bit of a look on the inside of yourself and say, in what areas have I been maybe distracted from God? In what areas have I been maybe uh, have set up idols in my life? Maybe I've had some things that have taken God's place, which is the first spot, the number one spot in my life. Maybe I've had some things that have distracted me and pulled me away and I need to refocus. I need to get my focus back on God. I need to get my focus back on his word. I need to pray more. I need to fast. I need to get get myself together as it pertains to my relationship with him. And when we do that, I believe that God's going to bless us. When we focus on him, anytime we turn back to God, anytime we get the sin out of our lives, anytime that we get the distractions away and turn our eyes to Jesus, God's going to bless us and God's going to move in our lives. And so today, I want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to pray. It's a sinner's prayer. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus, I want to pray this prayer. And if you'll repeat it after me, I believe that you'll start the greatest journey of your life. You'll start a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so as I pray this prayer, just repeat it after me. Mean it in your heart. And I believe today the angels will rejoice in heaven because the Bible tells us that they do when a sinner gets saved. And we're all sinners. We're all in need of a Savior. No one's better than anyone else. And so I'm going to pray this prayer if you'll repeat it after me. Say, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I believe that he's your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again. I ask you to wash me in his blood, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and help me to live for you every day. Thank you for making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, I would love to speak with you. Get a hold of me. My announcer will come on in just a little bit and tell you how you can connect with me on Instagram, on Facebook, on other social media, and you can always leave comments on the podcast that you're listening to, wherever you're listening to it. So uh, please do that. And I'll be back again next week uh, with the wrapping up of the Feast of Tabernacles teaching. So you don't want to miss that. If you need more information on the Feast of Trumpets, go back and listen to last week's podcast again, and uh, make sure you check out that Abraham Accords podcast, and I'll be bringing more updates about that uh, in the coming weeks and months, because there are a lot more countries getting ready to sign on with the Abraham Accords, and uh, don't forget, this time of the year is a time for us to turn our hearts to God, this time of the year is a time for us to grab a hold of our Bibles and start to read them, start to pray fast, get anything out of your life that is hindering your walk with the Lord and uh, to return to him. I'm going to pray a prayer over everyone uh, who's listening to this. 
And I just want to invite God to help us during this time of the year, this season of atonement, where we're to return to him. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for everybody listening to this podcast. Lord, I thank you that this time of the year where we focus on the atonement, we can focus on the atonement of Jesus Christ. We don't have to bring a sacrifice, God, but our sacrifice can be a living sacrifice. Our sacrifice can be our lives. So help us, God. Help us, God, to lay down sin. Help us, God, to pray more. Help us, God, to study your word more. Help us to know you more during this time of the year. And God, help us to chase you with all of our hearts. Lord, I thank you that during this time of the year, we can return to you and focus on your sacrifice, Jesus Christ, and what he's done in our lives. Help us, God, to get rid of distraction. Help us, God, to get rid of idols and hindrances. Help us, God, to pull those things out of our lives. And God, to draw near to you during this season of tabernacles. God, I thank you right now for covering every single listener in the blood. I thank you for protecting them. I thank you for watching over them, for blessing them as they prepare their hearts, as they prepare their hearts to meet with you. God, we love you today. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, thanks so much for listening today. I'll be back again next week. And uh, I'll be sharing more about the Feast of Tabernacles. It's so much information. It's so fun to study and so fun to cover. And I thank you for listening to me. God bless you. I love you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. If you would like to connect with Caleb, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com. If you have been encouraged, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Once again, we appreciate you listening to today's episode and may God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.